2: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Corey Phone and Dan. Uh, Corey Smith cannot be with us tonight, or he might join us later, we don't know. And Isis has had um, a death in the family, so we wish her and her family all the best um, and the condolences for her and that they get through this troubling time. So we're going to pick up right where we left off from last week. Um, You guys, I didn't really want to talk about. The Last of the Starks, but then you guys made some really good points because this was the polarizing episode of Season 8. And Dan, I'll let you start. Where do you think it all went wrong?
3: Okay, two things. First, uh, we had some microphone trouble, so if I sound awful, um, I blame technology. Second, I mean, the idea that we wouldn't talk about it seems a little weird to me, doesn't it? I mean, if we're a Game of Thrones review Season 8 podcast, we got to review well season eight and this is i don't like to
2: talk about traumatic things and the last of the Starks* was pretty fucking traumatic
3: i mean this is it's i think it's important as a as cultural critics to weigh in on uh you know the weighty issues of the day with the last of the Starks*. okay yeah i mean obviously this is where it took a nosedive in terms of reception i mean the first three episodes i think people had problems with it But it was still, like, Game of Thrones. It was still, people were still generally excited about it, even if they had their misgivings. I mean, this is where it nosedived. This is where the critical stuff nosedived. This is where, like, the IMDb goes from, like, not that it really matters, but this is where the IMDb goes from, like, you know, 8.5 to, like, historically low in the fours ratings. Right. This is where it really tanked. And, um, which, honest to God, I thought it was pretty good. I actually liked this episode both times I watched it. I watched it the first time, watched it the second time. Um, it's it's got problems. Like, don't get me wrong, it definitely has problems. Um, I think the biggest problem is the follow-through, definitely. I I think this episode kind of reminds me of the finale in a little bit, in that it's it has two really distinct halves. You've got everything at Winterfell, which is the funeral and the feast scene and the planning scene, and uh, you know, John telling Arya and Sansa about himself. Uh, his targaryen Off ness Off-camera. Uh, which, which, which is perfectly fine. That's one of those things I was like, I don't know why people are upset about that. It is um, not fine. <laughs> I thought it's completely fine, and actually the right choice. Um, I thought everything there was pretty good. I mean, it was slowed down. Like, we had conversations with people. They kind of took the time. It wasn't Night of the Seven Kingdoms slow, but it was still, like, it definitely had a leisurely pace to it. My problem with this was after you get south, after Daenerys's scene and Rhaegal goes down, they just snap through it so quick. To me, like, that should have been its own episode, I think. Um, and this is, I guess, where people really started to cotton on, like, oh, I, I think it's where the narrative emerged, you know, justifiably, that they're going to make Daenerys go mad queen when they hadn't really earned what they were going to do. And I would agree with that.
2: And this is where the coffee cup made its its entrance. Yes, and the coffee
3: cup.
2: Always <laughs> Phone you. Phone, you know, I Dan's makes some good points, but I still will never agree that be the Stark revelation, John, to to the to the you know, telling them he's a Targaryen off screen. I hate that. I I despise it and I I don't think you liked it either. Uh speak to that for me.
4: Uh no, I I, I didn't like it. Um, I felt like it's a really important moment. And and if you don't want to have the whole, like, whenever people like myself complain about, you know, I can't believe this whole conversation happened off screen or whatever. Right. I, I don't need a true detective season three, like exposition dump either. Right. Like, obviously, obviously we don't need to see because what ended up happening is we didn't see either John tell them or their reaction to it or what we probably really needed more than just seeing that on screen was the Stark children talking with each other or to other people about the revelation and about like all the things that it implied. We've talked on this podcast so many times about the ghost of Ned Stark and how it hovers over the show like a blanket and the ned stark was the most honorable man in westeros except for a, a one thing he cheated on his wife and, and brought home a bastard and it shaped their entire family dynamic and you know the idea that ned would lie about that and also his bran would maybe explain to them too he also lied about killing uh arthur dane but which is <laughs> it? just those two things are part of the same lie, though, is that he did it for a greater good. And he lied for like a, a very specific purpose to protect an innocent and all that jazz. And I, I think it would change or even like, strengthen like how they look at Ned, how, you know, the family sees Ned. And, and we didn't really get any of that. And I just am a little bummed about it, because especially when it comes to to you know Sansa and Arya they i mean that the, that's where Arya went to find Sansa was standing in the crypts when they first re like joined each other right, right. The, the ghost of Ned is there that's such a huge thing like a huge thing that Ned did forever to, for the whole kingdom to hide the last targaryen and Westeros you know under everyone's noses as his own bastard and I don't know. I just, I felt like they're, you know, and Dan, you're probably 100% right. We don't need the scene of John telling, uh, or, or Bran, whoever, telling the whole family everything as much as maybe the fallout from it, which we didn't really see either. If that makes well, sense.
2: Well, here's, here's my thing is, um, you know, this obviously, we just got news of ballots for the Emmys and everything. And you've got. Sophie Turner, and Macy Williams are in this, uh, for best supporting. Their ballads are for best supporting actress. I would have loved to seen them act through this scene. I mean, think about in season seven when Sansa and Jon had that scene before he left Winterfell, and she's she's talking. They're talking about Ned, right? And she's like, he's honorable, but I, I don't know. I'm paraphrasing. He was honorable, but he never came back home, or something like that. I would love to have seen her reaction i would love to see sophie turner act through this whole thing because her whole dynamic this season was anti-targaryen it was anti-daenerys anti-targaryen independence for the north and she got it in the end but learning that their brother was a fool you know was a legitimate heir of the iron throne and a targaryen at the same time I don't know if it would change, and it obviously didn't change the way they felt about him. They all loved him. They hugged him at the end. But, I mean, just acting through it. I mean, Dan, you don't think that we didn't need some Sophie Turner acting through that?
3: No, and I'll tell you why. Okay, so there are, bu- there are a bunch of things brought up there. I'll respond to your arguments, David, because I think they're the worst ones. Um, so, of course. Yeah. my objection- yeah. Suck it, David. My objection to, and the reason I did not get this complaint And again, I want to reiterate, I thought there was plenty wrong with this episode. But it's one of those things where I can run online the next day and I'm looking for like, hey, what do people agree with me? What didn't they like? And then I go with like, they thought we should have had a reaction to that. Really? That's the complaint. My reasons for not for kind of for agreeing with the way it was done are these. First, it's kind of a structural thing. We had seen Jon Snow tell this story or somebody tell this story three times by now in the space of four episodes. We had Bran and Sam put it together over a big whole narration thing. We had Sam tell to John in the crypts. We had John tell to Danny in the crypts. At some point, it's just, I did not need to hear it again. I completely understood why they cut away from that. I don't think we needed to see them react because we just, it wouldn't be worth the drag or their repetition, David. I edit you all the time. I hate repetition. Just I, <laughs> I completely got why they chose to do that. I have I, I. It was so like Batman's so,
4: um, origin story.
3: Yeah. That? yeah Pretty sure. We got it. I fucking got it. Just okay. So that was that part of it. I understood that part of it. Um. As to Sansa and Arya's reactions, I think David. Well, you, you were just saying something like, "Of course they weren't going to abandon their family." It's my dog in the background. Sorry. <laughs> Microphone problems. Um, They weren't going to abandon him. I think that's kind of the point. Like, I would have liked to see maybe an Arya Sansa rap about it a little bit. It could have been nice. But I still felt like we got their reactions. Sansa's in particular. There's a scene after this where Sansa is talking with Tyrion on the ramparts. And even though we didn't, (laughs) you know, have a a camera trained on her face as John repeated the story of his birth for the fourth time... I honestly did think in that scene, you could tell she's thinking about it. I thought her did a really good job. I thought she did act in that scene. I thought that was clearly what was foremost on her mind. She is struggling with, do I keep this secret? Do I tell this secret? It was all on her face. And I mean, I will say, I think Benny and Weiss might lean on the actors a bit too much. Actually, I'm pretty sure they do, that they should write more scenes, But in this case, where I'd already heard the damn thing four times, and they did give us this moment of Sansa struggling through it, that gave me all I need from her. And then she makes the choice. I will tell this secret. Like, there was never going to be any working through, is he really our brother? He is. Like, they've said that. That's very consistent. And Arya, I mean, again, there was just never any chance that she wasn't going to treat Jon the same as she always did. Uh, I don't think she. I, when agree, when she with that. I agree with I that. I don't that think either. she cared when cousin bastard Targaryen, whatever. I, I just don't think I would have liked maybe an Arya Sansa scene. I would have liked it, but I don't think that it was deadly that it didn't happen. And I did. I was a little confused by the reaction to that particular
1: absence.
4: Way in bone, right? So, and I, I think Dan, it all comes back to something we talked about. In the last episode, where if the the snowball effect, right, where if other stuff had gone differently or been handled differently, if people's reaction to the overall everything hadn't have been the way it was, then the fact that we didn't have a Sansa Arya conversation afterward or something would not have been as big of a sticking point. I think. Totally agree. Because I think you're, I think you're right that. I I do agree I that you're 100% right. We didn't need the Batman origin story again. But, uh, yeah, like you and I were saying, maybe a scene with the sisters. But, uh, yeah, I, I really think it just all comes back to the snowball effect that um, once the pylon started, which was this episode, truly, a lot of people were a little disappointed in the long night. And then this episode, it was like, whoop. And so now looking back, there's so much nitpicking going on about the season. And a lot of it is legitimate stuff that would have been forgiven. I think uh, had things had been less brushed. Cause I think that is ultimately, and you've said it a couple times now, Dan, that like you uh, you have problems with this, you know, and and I, and I feel like we always come back to the same statement that the pacing is almost assuredly the root of every issue that we've had with every point we brought up. And whether it's David, Dan, me, Corey Smith, Isis, whoever, like the pacing is always the thing. So when it ultimately this, what we're talking about right now, the lack of any like a scene with Arya and Sansa, that, that's, you could just put that on the fact they only had six episodes. They didn't have time for it.
3: I, I do agree. I, it, I agree that in the end, it, it, it's I compare the last third to the first third because or like the long night. Because the Long Night landed its big twist, because it landed Arya kills the Night King, which personally I, I thought was terrific and I still I still kind of get chills with it. I, I could forgive the other dumb bits. I can forgive, you know, how the hell is Sam alive? I can forgive, um, you know, <laughs> why are these supposedly smart people no one figures out that don't go in a crypt when you fight someone who can raise the dead? Like, it makes a big difference if you land the moments that have to land. I think the first third overall, even though it could have been, you know, more finessed, did it. The last third, it just didn't. It didn't land what, in my mind, was the big moment it had to land, which is Danny's turn and Burning King's landing. So I think you're right, Corey. Mm -hmm. Like, all this other stuff, the little stuff, what you could forgive if it lands the big stuff. You can't forgive because it doesn't. And
4: it- well, I think I think it goes back to, and we talked about this last time as well, and a hundred times. And I know I keep David hasn't talked in a minute, but also man, is that um, <laughs> that's fine. Look at look at season seven. <laughs> hey, we have a soundboard now, guys. <laughs> look, at, look at professional. Look at season seven, and we talked a lot about how boy the the build up to these moments was dumb as hell but a lot of these moments are really cool like how they got to the killing of little finger was stupid how they killed little finger that scene dope and so like everyone was able to forgive a lot of the dumb things like them trying to make us think that Sansa and Arya were going to like fight each other or whatever and you know i think this season like Dan said right there, the the landing didn't happen. That's a great point. The landing didn't happen, and so now we
3: look back on things and go, "Well, wait a minute, you know." So because there's no saving grace anymore. Okay, David, I'm sorry. You go ahead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, and you know what? There's no reason to keep circling back to this. Um, but I will t- I will say this: from the moment Daenerys leaves uh, the North, like, okay, I- I'll say this for the last of the Starks: the opening of the of the episode was it was really good. It I agree. Really well acted. Um and you thought for a minute, hey, this is going to be a great episode. You get to the celebration Okay, big deal. There's a coffee cup. Shit like that happens. I can ignore it. And I didn't even see the coffee cup on the first time. It, you know, I, I wasn't even paying attention to that. And, you know, you've got great moments like Tormund getting drunk and getting sad, mopey over the fact that he lost Brienne to Jamie. You've got Pod going off with two girls. Uh, you know, and there's all kinds of, and you got the Hound and Sansa having a conversation. There's all kinds of great things happening. And then you get to the, the war room meeting the next day. And, Sansa and Danny instantly pick up the cattiness, and it's like, "Are we not over this yet? We you just defeated the Night King, Danny? Give them a fucking break. Like they they've earned some vacation time. Like give them a week. Cersei's not gonna, going to attack you. Just just relax for a little bit. You've got two dragons, and then you know they they instantly go running down to Dragonstone, and that's when we lose Rhaegar for the first. You know that, that's when the first real hit took Danny by surprise. And it kind of took everybody surprise. I did not expect Regal to die. Um, I don't know about you guys. I, I, I don't know if you thought going into the season that Danny would come out with only one dragon left or there would only be one dragon left and Danny would be dead. But losing Regal the way we did was a shock. And then to have Benny off at the end of the episode, say Danny kind of forgot about the, the Greyjoy fleet. That's when it was like, oh, my fucking God, now I really hate the writer of this episode. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but this is where it turned back. This is where the milk went sour for
3: me. I mean, this is where the milk went sour for most people. And I mean, th- there are certain things like that they kind of forgot quote that I think are more a part of the pile on effect than they are the fabric of the show. I mean, if you read that quote, like, what is the most reasonable interpretation of that. It's not that she literally forgot. I mean they're talking about the Iron Fleet in the war room, meaning that they mention it. Right.
2: She's she, in the moment having a good yet. time.
3: Um you know, they're they're talking metaphorically, but because everyone wants to hate, it becomes a symbol. And I, I I I said this last time. The second I heard that, I was like, oh no, you should not have said that. They're gonna use that against you forever. And they did, um but yeah, I, I definitely agree that this is where it it turned, and I mean again, and I'll say this again, I actually did like this episode when I watched it, kind of both times, um because i because they hadn't gone where they were going to go yet, um, yeah, I did. I thought looking back the the everything after Danny goes south is just way too fast, and you know we don't have. Like, like you were saying, Corey, kind of the the interstitial buildup stuff to make this make sense and to give this stuff weight. But I did enjoy it. And I, I do think some of the scenes are tremendous. Like, I actually, from a pure, like, watching standpoint, I love the filmmaking on that last scene, the confrontation of the walls. I love that was the thing. editing. I love the way they go from, like, face to face to face to face. I think it's incredibly intense and really, really well done um and i think masande's death is kind of brutal in a kind of snuff film beheading sort of way and it was extremely effective uh but we just don't have the context for it for to kind of make it as rich as it should have been i think but honest to god i do think this is not where that they still could have pulled it out at this point that it's it's the follow through where i really realized oh they failed that's a shame What you got to this song?
4: Well, I uh, I agree that at this point they I, I was still in my brain like it's okay those leaks you read in the off season that you hated so much and we're like this is so stupid those aren't coming true this is just a coincidence no it's <laughs> uh, right I the the biggest thing to me I guess. Uh, is the inconsistency in these last three episodes. And we're going to get into it more in here in just a second, I'm sure. But um, we just watched Euron's fleet ex machina, which is what I started calling it because they, <laughs> they only show up when it's time to drive the plot forward in a particular way and then are not seen or heard from again. Um, They showed up and pinpoint accuracy with three bolts to Rhaegal and from a, a hidden position on in the ocean, which they kind of had them sail past some rocks to show they were hidden behind these rocks, but you know, they're also the dragons are also above the rocks, so I don't want to get into that too much. Everybody's already talked about it a hundred times. Uh so whatever. He really he takes down a dragon, but then misses, you know, uh Drogon when he's flying pretty much straight ahead and then he just peels off to the left. Um Danny doesn't think to circle back behind the boats and burn them from the back. She just flies away. But then in, you know, King's landing one dragon was able to do exactly that later on and burn all the boats. And one dragon just was a nuclear bomb to the whole. It took a day. Like it took, it took less than a day, you know, for minutes, minutes. And it just, you know, the, the bolts that they had pointed. and, And I agree, Dan, that scene at the wall, you know, the negotiation scene, they shot it really well. And you talk about a scene where they lean on the actors. Yeah. That, that was one of the highlights of boy, what we're saying is stupid, <laughs> but our faces are really doing a great job of saying it. And uh, cause how many, you, you said, okay, here's a good example of the inconsistency. You know, I a hundred percent think that your point that they didn't show John, Telling his story again because we'd already heard it This was what time How many times did Tyrion Plea for Cersei to not Be Cersei Like I mean just like So many times that we've had this Conversation and nobody's buying it like The fans aren't into it and You know The that scene and Again also the the bolts Pointed at the dragon and the army While it's on the ground and not using them to me is silly. But again, we talked about that on the show. It's just, I don't know. It's just wildly inconsistent with the plot devices that they literally created those bolts for this season and used them to do one thing. And then they were rendered completely useless for the rest of the show. I don't know. It just, this is, yeah. At this point, looking back, 100 percent David's right. This is when we look back at this season and we're going to go, yeah, that was probably the moment <laughs> that, that they realized that there were too many holes in the levee for a kid to stick the finger in and keep the city from going under. So uh I don't know. I am just I'm bummed. Dan's. Yeah. Bummer. Like, I'm just bummed.
2: Yeah, I agree. This, this, we. I don't want to talk about this episode any more than we actually have to, unless you guys have any po- any more points about it. Like, I agree with you both. The final, the final scene was great to me. The, you know, it was brutal death. The only thing I didn't like was, like, I get that you want to start pushing Danny to Mad Queen's side when she sees Sunday's head get cut off. Right, I get that. Okay, I, I totally get that. You have to rush it. The pacing is fast. Let's make Danny the Mad Queen starting now.
4: But can I say that that this episode also the (laughs) the the fact that John didn't pet ghosts after sending him away, (laughs) and
0: they they
4: just took a scene of John petting ghosts from like season one and just basically green screened it into the last episode last minute just to keep people. From losing their mind because it was the exact same – like it was the exact – John and you know Ghost were doing the true, same thing. Right? Is that not true? Because I saw somebody sync them up top to bottom. I
3: saw that too, and it was a complete fake. I, I remember that tweet. They oh, did,
4: okay. If it, I didn't know that it was they, fake. They, they so just
3: took the same shot and just made go smaller.
4: And like the the fan green screen. Okay, i see. Okay, well, fine. That
3: Either way, to me of one of those again. To me, like John not telling them things that. Yeah. I mean, it didn't matter at all. So he didn't pet ghost. Holy God! Shut up, people. Tell that to
4: David. But because again, this you guy. You
3: burn in hell and shut your but damn again, mouth. <laughs> people became so unwilling to trust the show to take them somewhere, and now that you see the whole thing. The not petting ghost makes complete sense because he's like, okay, when you know that he pets him at the end to kind of reembrace a part of himself, that's, it's it's not being lazy and forgetting and being cheap. It's telling part of John's story that right then he's struggling with, am I a Targaryen? Am I a Stark? Ghost is a symbol of my Starkness. I don't belong north of the wall because I guess I'm a Targaryen now. I'm not going to pet him because it would be, because I'm, I'm con- identitarily confused right now. I'm going to go south. He's going to go north. And the end is he sees Torment, his kind of wildling shadow self. He embraces Ghost, and that's symbolically, okay, I'm the north. Like I, That That was, I think, part of a real narrative. But I think it became this pile-on thing where, okay, we are no longer trusting that the show is building a narrative of any kind. We're going to pile on to every detail including this kind of thing, which again, in retrospect, I think makes a lot of sense and works dramatically, but just people saw it you, moment.
4: you just, you just sold me on it that that's what they were going it, for. It for the, sorry. But I, I'm sorry. I just don't think that that landed with the audience at the time. It at did the not. time. And looking back, I think no, you're right. I think they're they're that they're it's pretty crazy. easy to, what was that?
3: i uh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm angry. Uh,
4: no, I know it's fine. I just, I just don't think, I just don't think it landed in the moment because they weren't. I don't know. John didn't really. John didn't do a lot of dialoguing this season. Like it was all internal. Which to Kit's credit, like he, you know, did a good job of showing. Like physically, he looked he looked fatigued. He looked nervous all the time and scared and whatever like out of place all that stuff which he's always felt out of place from childhood too so it just probably compounded and got worse you know because his his you know cat certainly never treated him like a stark and just when he had finally you know become king of the north and and he was basically john stark then he finds out i'm not actually a stark i'm a targaryen it's like those are all great points and i just you know, I don't know if that landed in. But when you watch the last episode, and, and it makes sense, that's why he pet a ghost at the end. Yeah, so,
3: absolutely. It's also why they kept Tormund around. I think because I thought Tormund should have died in the Battle of Winterfell, and I, I give that a pass because they did get some thematic use out of him later. But he's kind. Of
4: I know. I know we need to move on, yeah. but I I realize we forgot to talk about Jamie leaving
3: Brienne. Oh yeah. Oh again. Oh, okay. a a good scene, uh, like in uh, just kind of watching it. Acted well. I think that is an example of a scene that just needed to more time. Like if, if that would have, even if that leaving scene would have happened an episode later, it would have been better to like kind of let, I don't know, like just the the momentum sink in. Or, like, give him a bit of time to realize, oh, God, I really don't want Cersei to tie. Just that the this is where the rushing really started to bother me. And it really started to show and, I think, do harm to the show. That was my problem.
2: And see, I think that if, you know, if if Gwendolyn Christie gets a nom for supporting actress, this will be the scene she gets it for. Because she acted the fuck out of this scene. Like, it was beautiful and heartbreaking and, you know... Too bad NC dubs had to rush off down the road, but, you know, it was a beautifully heartbreaking scene that I hated that it happened, but I think it added weight to their story. And, of course, if you want to talk about John Petting's ghost at the end, Brianne writing Jamie's story in the book of the brothers at the end completed that entire arc. It's just at that moment, again, we're mentioning the pylon method. Here we go. At the end, it made sense. But during the time, we're all like, well, then why even have a Jamie redemption arc
3: if he's just going to leave and go back down to King's Landing? This like, is ridiculous. Like, no, and again, I, I get why they felt betrayed, but I really do think the pylon was, in a lot of times, more powerful than the story. Like I said last time, it was the reaction was almost more than the season. That nobody was trusting the show to actually go somewhere with the moments anymore. I think unfairly because I think it did go somewhere, a lot of places. But just when the pylon happened, and and a lot of places it didn't go, and the really important places it didn't go. But a lot of the time, people just saw a moment that's part of a story and just freaked the fuck out. And uh, it was a a really interesting example of a fandom run amok. I don't,
2: know. yeah, turning turning on their favorite source to just. The, the fandom turned on game of thrones right then and it was divided but it was it was a divisive episode too because people were like i don't know it's still game of thrones like they get a pass and other people were like no fuck this show we hate D Ah, anyway um let's move on please uh, because we've been talking about this episode for 30 goddamn minutes um let's talk about the bells which i think personally was one of the best episodes of the season i know that there have been some problems and we can, let's, let's hash it out but um, Corthone I I fully one hundred percent believe that Varys was going to be poisoning Daenerys. Did, did did that
4: come off that way to you? Not to me. Is after the fact, and, and you know, again, I'm someone that I consider myself to be fairly observant of shows. I agree with that too. And I didn't get that at all. I got that he saw it as her, you know, when someone stops eating and stops taking visitors and stops taking counsel. That Varys was like, "Yep, she's she's gone off the deep end." He's seen Targaryen madness before, so he was like, "Yep, she's she's gone, tarred crazy." And you know that was that. And the, again, just like with the. I don't know plethora of things we've discussed over two episodes about like, boy, they really could have stuck that if if the poisoning was a thing, that's really cool. And that's like something that I'd be very interested to have seen. I don't know anything about, but uh, if that was the only scene we're supposed to get about it, I just feel like I'd almost, I almost have too much respect. I think for D and D as writers to think that they would introduce and then cast aside something that quickly. So I I that's why I don't buy it. I think if they were going to have a subplot just even in one, even within one episode that Varys was poisoning Danny, not just questioning her sanity, but actively trying to kill her, then they would have given us more than that about him. I would hope personally.
2: Well, and that's where this—that's where com- the whole fact that we didn't get ten episodes comes in. Maybe they would have spent an episode where Varys is doing the. Inter- well, that's under thing. the
4: assumption that he actually was trying to poison her, though. Which yeah, he I don't- was.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and then there's also the, the, the fact of he was—he was writing messages, and he was, you know, and it was talking about Jon. Like he was going to announce to the whole realm that Jon was the, the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. We assume. And apparently he didn't get any of those messages, messages. Off? Well, I, think, I, don't I know. think he
4: did get some out. I think that they went to the people that were in King's Landing in the last episode was my assumption. Like the other rulers, because it wasn't like that wasn't all the rulers. Right. That was just the ones who would be anti Daenerys in the first place, like 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 uh, anti Targaryen. Uh, at least Danny
2: well, Yara right. Yara Yara loved uh, Danny. She she wanted to be all Team Danny. I guess that's true. Was, but but she was angry at Jon
4: Dorne, and then you know Sansa's like the Tully Kingdom and North and uh, the Reed, all that stuff. Like uh, yeah. So
2: okay. Well, so if you watched uh, the la- Game of Thrones the last watch, you see Conleth Hill read his la- his final moments. Him and uh, Emilia Clark. And Dan, it kind of seems like he, he he reads his final moments with her, and he kind of chucks his
3: script you know, down and has to call look some more bullshit speech. on this. This is another example. This is okay. the exact same thing as coffee cup. This is the exact same thing as freaking out over John not petting ghosts for no damn reason. It's the exact same thing as Jamie left Brienne. Why show's not feminist anymore? Oh my God, people! They've just read a who knows how long. And maybe he he, he, so he wasn't clapping effusely. This is another example of uh, the fandom backlash being more interesting than the season. That rather than talking about the show and the content and the story, we're going to zero in on an actor who for a second in a room, at a moment in time, we could interpret as not looking entirely satisfied with everything that has happened in his life and just raise it up as a symbol. I'm so bored at that conversation. I really hate it. I think it distracts from kind of what I want to talk about, which is the story and whether it worked again. I, I do think it was fascinating, the fandom backlash, but I do think that's an example of people are just making it up because of this pylon effect. I think it was. And I, I agree. I, I was going to say, I,
2: completely agree i don't think that Colin hill was upset was, i just think I that it, i think i think the interview that he did where he jokingly Later. said um something about he was not happy with how he ended or ended things and then they they zero in on his reaction to you know Dracare's and he throws his he, it looks like he throws his, his script down and so people zeroed in on it i Whatever I think you're absolutely right, but let's talk. <laughs> you're really passionate yeah, about that
0: why are we talking about this?
2: <laughs> let's get on to King's Landing. So we, we, we've got various. Actually, before we go, um, we start to see the breakdown of Grey Worm's humanity in the last episode when the dead. Right. So in this episode, Grey Worm is full on robot, like he's robot Grey Worm. Um, and I always thought. I... Yes, I know that Missandei was his anchor, I get that, but I also thought that he had a loyalty to Daenerys, and if she goes Mad Queen, then it's okay to have Robot, robot Grey Worm, right? Like, he's going to be killing Lannisters in the streets, even though Jon tells him to stop. He's going to go, He's gonna, even though the Lannisters have thrown the swords down, he's going to start sparing people everywhere, because Missandei, his only connection to humanity, is dead. Is that what you interpret uh, I, I think you got it. Yeah,
3: I, I had no problem with Grey Worm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I
4: mean, he's loyal to to Danny. If she
3: keeps attacking, he'll keep attacking.
4: Exactly, and he says that. He even like actually physically <laughs> says that in the next episode. <laughs> well, so I mean,
2: I, I guess people, I guess, I guess, and this is part of that fan backlash, picking on everything is people saw this hero that was Grey Worm. And over in Essos, freeing freeing the slaves, helping the children, helping Daenerys, what they didn't really understand is without, without Missandei, without Daenerys, he's just a trained killer with the ability to kill people in all kinds of ways and not feel a goddamn mm-hmm. thing for it. And I hated that for uh, Jacob Anderson because his character got shit on by the fandom, especially in the end, because he arrested Jon Snow, and they had that
3: stare down at the end. I thought this was probably Grey Room's best season, really. I mean, I thought it was Jacob Anderson's best showcase as an actor. I thought he had the most to play. Um, I thought Grey Room was, I mean, not a highlight, but I thought he was pretty solid in this season. Probably his best.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting that he, you know, his entire character development centered around His development of his relationship with Masande and her being taken away made him like go, you know, into rage mode, just like, you know, Danny did. And, you know, then he's going to go back to Noth or whatever and protect them, which, you know, is the promise he made to Masande. So I, I don't think that it's it's hard to it's hard to to say that he turned into a i don't know if it's if it's easy to say he turned into a bad guy yeah, at the end did. yeah I, I think it's more just um th- his methods were extreme but so was his queen's and he was following her lead he doing
3: his job. So. I mean i think even if asande had lived if daenerys had started to torch the city he still would have taken the cue and got the sack going
4: yeah I think, I think there's just... Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. But also, I don't know if... I don't know.
3: But I mean, yeah, we don't...
4: I think... Yeah, that's then you're getting into, like, well Masande would be alive, and she'd be like, my queen, no, these are children, because then Danny be would be like... Ground. Yeah, so... I don't know. But I get what you're saying. I, I think when it's all said and done, like David said, the Unsullied were created, <laughs> you know, for one thing, and they're really good at it, so...
2: I mean, the, the Unsullied tell their story. They have to kill children. They have to go and give a mother a coin and they kill the baby or they kill puppies or they whatever. You know, like that's. <laughs> so I, I'm not surprised to see them killing uh, Lannister so- soldiers who have no. surrendered in the streets. But I, I want to talk about the um, visual effects in this episode because more so than um, – maybe since the loot train attack in season seven, this was a stunning – display of visual effects and i know that there are a lot of plot holes with Drogon and Danny avoiding all the all the scorpions and burning all the scorpions i get that i understand that but i fucking loved it man like I, w- once danny just when she landed on that little the little wall on king's landing the crenellation whatever it was she, the tower and she was sitting there staring at the red keep and amelia clark just fucking acted her ass off without saying one word just breathing hard and getting angry. I was like, oh fuck yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Burn it all. Like I was I was like yelling at my TV screen, burn it all. And I was excited that she did that. And and people were like, you know what? She's a war she's a war criminal. She killed women and children shut up, these are the same fucking reprobates who cheered Ned Stark when he got his head cut off, they threw shit at Yara Greyjoy when Euron brought her through the streets on a chain by her neck, these are terrible people they got what they deserve, and I feel bad for saying that, but they're fictional so I don't care, but it was just like the fact that they built an entire set, and Dan, I want you to talk about this a little bit, because you covered this when when they were filming, and I remember watching them build the set in Belfast and we were like we we watched them build it and then one day like we see that like, all the walls have been burned down and then you see on the last watch that they built it to be that they built the broken castle first and then built the the, the walls complete after that. It's such an amazing feat um how did you feel about the visual effects in this episode and would you, what would you compare it to from anything in the series i mean so
3: they're spectacular um yeah they're excellent i mean this season visu- i mean this episode visually i think was the real battle highlight. You could see a lot more than the long night. Um, yeah. I mean, honest to God though, the visual effects, I don't, I mean, the, it, unless they're in service of something, they don't really matter that much to me. Um, and they were spectacular. Um, I, and I'll say this. We were talking earlier about Danny dodging the scorpion bolts and like taking minutes to wipe out the army. I, I, I really liked that part a lot. I I thought it threw into relief how hopeless Cersei's cause always was, that she never really had a chance, yeah. but she just kind of convinced herself she did. And I mean, look, about the dodging the bolts, you could argue, she came out of a the son, they were blinded, yada, yada, yada. It, it doesn't really matter much to me. I love that she killed the Golden Company in three seconds. That was hilarious. Um, I, I really did. I <laughs> honest to God, I thought it was great. Um, and yeah, the special effects were amazing. But I mean, it—the the reason... The big hole in this sequence to me is I didn't understand um, why Daenerys turned. I, I just didn't. So when she started to torch people, I, I I don't agree with you, David, that they all deserve to die. I mean, I, I think the point of um showing that, you know, like the people that Arya was trying to save is that there are, I mean, it, it's a million people. Not all of them are horrible. And that then he did cross the line. Um, And I just, the big problem, and I think this is the big problem of the season. This is the thing that if they had landed this moment, I think I could have forgiven almost everything, or at least a lot more than I did. Um, They didn't land the moment of Daenerys up there on that dragon, looking pissed, uh, very, very angry, and just deciding to torch the city. I thought it was too big of a leap. I didn't get it. Like I knew she was under stress, but I, I just, I, I don't think they got me there, to where I bought it. So rather than being kind of horrified, I w- I kept asking why, like why is she doing that? I and it, I think it goes back to what you said, Corey, earlier. There just needed to be more build up. There needed to be more insight into her state of mind. There needed to be some more plotting around, so like giving her compelling reasons to do this. I think it would have been possible but i don't think they got there. So honestly, what i felt when i was watching the destruction, i felt kind of dirty. Cuz um c- because they were playing with such powerful imagery. They were playing with, you know, women getting raped in the streets. They were playing with that northern soldier who John has to kill almost raping a girl. They were playing with people getting incinerated. They were they were really like um kind of invoking like the bombing of Dresden. They were invoking like old Vietnam footage in the episode after where there's like a wandering skinless man wandering the streets, really, really powerful stuff. But I, I didn't think they earned it because I didn't believe Daenerys would go that far that quick. So it, it's the episode was, was, is thrilling to watch. It's horrifying. It's a very frightening depiction of a sack. Um, there's so much to recommend it, but I think it all turned on buying that Daenerys would go there and I didn't buy that she would go there. So at the end of the day, it didn't work for me. Not on the level that I wanted it to. I mean, yeah, it was No, I
2: I agree with you 100 percent I think you're right. They didn't sell that she turned evil. I'm just saying that when yeah. she did go full evil, oh, I was like, fuck like, yeah, let's do it. But I also but I also feel the whole dirty thing. Like like the you know, like they talked about it in the after episode. Like they Whenever the northern soldiers grabbed that family and they were they, – they slit the woman's throat, they actually – that scene was supposed to be where they decap- – they actually decapitated her. They had a head set up for that scene. I guess they just sit and film it all the way through, and I was like, oh my god. Even the northerners went – I mean, and yeah, that guy tried to rape that woman, which was awful, and I was thinking, man, the northerners really unleashed – and I, I saw on on social media, and of course on Reddit, it was like the Northerners had to take so much shit from the from the Lannisters, and you know this is the symbol of Ned Stark's defeat here at King's Landing, and his and his father before him. So yeah, they really wanted some revenge. But you you make a great point of feeling dirty watching it all happen. Bone, uh, what do you, what do you think about that?
4: Yeah, uh, it was a hard episode to watch in that regard, and also because. Well, they they've spent I think the failure, Dan, to, to to speak of something you talked about them not earning this turn for Danny upon rewatch the show, which I do plan to rewatch one day, not right now, I agree, yeah. but one day give it a little time. I'm gonna give it a little time. The biggest failure of the show. Ultimately, going all the way back to season one is going to be the failure to show that the things Danny was doing were in any way bad up until this very moment, because people kept, people keep citing examples from her past of her taking vengeance on the slavers with crucifixion or burning her enemies or whatever. But that is applying modern outlooks on morality and justice in a world that is set with medieval politics Tywin Lannister is looked upon as maybe the most brilliant person in the show, and he set the Hound to rape and smash Elia Martell. No one says he's worse of a leader because of that. They might say he's ruthless, but Danny has always been portrayed in a positive light by the show for doing the things that she did, burning the, the the people that made the Unsullied and everything. Like now you look back and they're like, yeah, look right here. She she set her dragon on these people. And it's like, well, they had done a, a whole episode showing us why these people were terrible and needed to get burned. And the music here certainly didn't display ominous undertones. It was a triumphant, you know, scene for her. And and there's multiple examples of that.
3: Ramin Juwadi calls it heroic music. Exactly. I mean, and so it is kind of terrifying music. A Targaryen thing that do 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 do. It's it's a little spooky. Sure, it is, but
4: but at the same time, it 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 to me, it's not it's not som it's somber. It's not the right word. What's the word I'm looking for here? It's not something that when you know that there's something ominous happening, sure. right? That like in those moments, they're not, you know, even Danny at her most ruthless, you know, was always against someone who had it coming in the show's eyes because. They're they're using medieval, like, era justice and politics and stuff. So I think that's going to be the biggest failure of the show, and it's why it felt so out of place in more than one way for Danny's reaction to, you know, our our actions in this episode to be to be seen. Because I mean, honestly, you know, we don't obviously. I'm not saying that the you know a good example is like the, the Mongols, right? When they took over the the world basically they would you know their first few cities or whatever you want to call them that they sacked they just sacked and it was bad right and then you know word got out about how ruthless they were they would ride up to a city and give them a chance to surrender and if they did then you know things went differently and that's in danny's mind that's what she did and so she sacked king's landing in her mind now when she goes around the world you know, she may have killed how many people at King's Landing, but she goes around the world. She's going to free them from the the wheel, from the tyrants, whatever. They're going to know you don't mess around with the Targaryen girl. She'll burn your city to the ground. So, like, I, I don't really that's that's bad. But also, this is a world of dragons and beheadings and crucifixions and burnings and everything else. Like, is it really that different? I don't know. I just felt like they. Obviously, and then the visuals that they put up—that's the reason they were putting them up—was to show you why it was bad. With, and I still don't get why, like soldiers from the north and stuff were acting that way. But I don't know. It just to me, the whole episode felt messy in that regard. Now, what we were watching—I'm sure you guys have said this because I went to pee, but nobody's reading the chat in Zencaster. So, um, <laughs> uh, w- what we were watching was gorgeous like gorgeously shot it was such a pretty episode with special effects and and the the set and everything man it looked nice but uh i i think i've about expunged all my problems from those scenes but yeah i mean i just i don't know everything felt i love
2: i love that you cited tywin lannister as an example for Daenerys going mad queen like everybody's quick to forget the red wedding obviously he wasn't there but he orchestrated it. He's the one that said you have to kill Rob Stark, and you have to kill you have to kill his 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 wife and pos- an heir because she's pregnant, his heir, and you have to kill his mother. Like you have to wipe out the Starks. And that was a brutal. That was a brutal. Like still, probably the most brutal on screen thing that Game of Thrones has done up there. It's up there with the most brutal things they've ever done. People still talk about it. So yeah, I mean, I was I'm glad you you brought that point up, man. Um so we've got we've got Danny going full bad queen, we've got her burning uh through King's Landing and we had Clegane Bowl get hype. <laughs> um phone, you always talked about Cle- Cleganebowl. We you and I talked about it on several podcasts. Did did, did it
4: live up to the hype? Um uh, Yes and no. I guess at this point, I, honestly, I'll say I'll say not all the way. It was still a, a pretty fun scene. We, Ky- I, I love somebody and said that Kybern got yeeted, you know, in that scene, and that was pretty funny. And then, uh, <laughs> and then Cersei just uh, oh, let me just scooch, let me just scooch right by you here, there, to Sandor. I am just gonna scooch. You know you had the scene with the Hound and Arya right before that which was very important Beautiful. and a great scene, absolutely great scene. And then um then you had the Cleganebowl fight and, and I really couldn't have gone any other way because uh like we've discussed in it before it's pretty obvious that the mountain like can't be killed because he's already dead. So I mean it was it was it was good. It just uh it wasn't what I Honestly, I know that I don't want to because I know that it annoys Dan, but I kind of hope because I don't want to do too much of a fanfic thing. But I just kind of hoped that that the that we would get Grey Worm and the Hound versus the Mountain so that Grey Worm could get vengeance for Masande. I so
2: wanted that. But I get why
4: they didn't do it. What he did out there was actually important and stuff. So it's not like he was wasted in this episode. He was very important in the episode. I just kind of. Was thinking like, man, that would be pretty cool to have like Grey Worm and the Hound versus a mountain and still unable to actually like fully kill him. And then the Hound tackles him through the wall and stuff and all that. But regardless, it was still a fun scene. Uh, Yeah. Colgane Bowl, it happened. So I'm happy about that. And it was a pretty good going out moment for Rory McCann, who consistently was one of the best actors in the show and has been criminally underappreciated, it seems, by <laughs> by the network.
2: <laughs> yeah, and like he didn't, su- I'm surprised he didn't submit or
3: HBO didn't submit for support. Are he you, had a hell like, of a season. I was thinking about that today when I was writing a little book about the Emmy stuff. Just really quick sidebar. Um, apparently HBO only submitted Nikolai Koster-Waldau and Peter Dinklage, which I think is like they're kind of they have them in rotation. Like Alfie mm-hmm. Allen, mm-hmm. Hilu S. and uh, Richard Dormer all had to do it through their reps. Now, if that's true, can knowing what you know about Rory McCann, can you imagine him? He didn't want it. On his like agent, I really want that award. No, he wants to fuck off on a boat somewhere.
4: Hundred percent.
3: He's sitting back on a boat drinking his beer, looking at his dog sail. Yeah, that's. I enjoyed that bowl too. Um, I will say this: I, I did think it was kind of like a. It was fun. I liked it. And I agree with the complaint that the Arya scene was terrific. She was the best part of the episode. And and the season, really. Now we can be honest about it. Um, I thought that the fight was kind of weirdly pulpy, like, put next to the vision of a, a sack and the brutality of war on the streets. Like, we went from a northern soldier trying to rape a woman to kind of, like, the invincible zombie hound crushing a guy's eyes out with his thumbs. It, it, it was a little, like... Uh, we're doing cinema verite realness with like WWE championship match um, kind of like side by side. I thought that was a little odd, almost disrespectful, but I mean, it was a good time. I'm not going to say it wasn't a good time.
4: No, that's a great point. And honestly, I feel like that can be a microcosm for this whole season is the, the going from that. Wow, that's a great point from this like incredibly real and dark. Scene happening in the streets too, and honestly, you're you're not you're not wrong too. If you go back and rewatch that scene, the lighting in it is just different. Like they, it is just framed completely different from the rest of the episode, and it's a pure fan service scene, which is fine, especially in the you know, finale season. But to juxtapose it against <laughs> everything else does feel weird. That's a good
3: point. It is. I mean. I think it looks different because that was like – it was 100% green screen, and they actually made the King's Landing set. I'm guessing that's why it looks different. But yeah, I I, I do think the tone a bit weird. There was like an orange glow to their fight. Like you were – it was the dreamscape. I mean the biggest tone problem we can talk about maybe next time or in a minute was the finale going from the first half with Ash and King's Landing to the second half. To fucking laugh tracks
2: yeah. and uh, shit. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely gonna have one more episode. Hopefully, Corey Smith and ISIS will be back. If not, we're still gonna have one more episode where we talk about the finale yeah. because we Remember did talk that, th- uh, for thirty minutes. Can I, I have Isis a little more? Uh,
3: one more thing to say about uh, the Daenerys turn? Okay. Yeah. So, do. Uh, in response to I think what you said, Corey, about you didn't understand why the Northerners were kind of doing what they did. I I did get that. Like that works for me. I think they've said for a while. Like um, I remember Jorah's line in season three that I'm a dork. Sorry, there's a beast in every man, and it's and He put a sword in his hands. I think that that they're trying to say something that that's worth saying. It's pessimistic, but that at the end of the day, when someone is going to sack a city and they're the you know the blood is on them and they're going to wreak havoc and kill, that anybody could do that. It's not about Northerners wanting vengeance. It's not about you know, which faction you're on, or Grey were wanting revenge from Asande. I think the message they're going for that with that with that moment in particular is that that's anybody. Anybody does that under these conditions. I think that's dark, but um, I bought it. I did buy I did buy those bits. Um, as far as Daenerys turning goes, and your point, Corey, about not setting up that it was bad. Um, I do think it's important to point out that. Not everybody felt that way. Like, we had people on Wix, Sarah Weymus and Katie Majka, who have been with us for a while, who, I'm not kidding, called this years ago. And they were pointing to all the things that kind of people pointed to. They were pointing to, she burned the cows, she burned Astapor, she hung people. And at the time, we were all, oh, no, it was justified. justified." Like, they 100% thought that was leading to her snapping. And I mean, I submit I dismiss it at the time, but it but it did. So I guess I'm saying that if you're out there and you thought that they did set that up, um I mean you have an argument. You have a decent argument. My problem w- wasn't so much that uh they didn't portray her actions in the right with the right moral lens, so much that I just didn't think that she would go that far as she did. It was more of a character problem for me. That's all her violence before it was always creepy. It was always brutal. I mean, she always got the kind of far away glassy eyed thousand yard stare in her eye while she burned people and crucified people. But I mean, it, it it was always limited But in Astapor, she was like, don't kill the women or the children. And with Thank the cows, you. it was, it was these bunch of assholes in this hut. It wasn't the, the civilians out there who were going to, you know, condemn her to a life of servitude with the, slavers it was the slavers and it was pointed out there that she did kill a couple innocent or not innocent ones but ones who were better like i remember there's that scene with his stars or lorac where he's like you crucified my dad he spoke against the horrible policies you crucified him anyway so like it was there this stuff was there but i still think i still think it was too much of a leap to go from all that stuff where they showed it was that, 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 that there was some that we could understand what she was doing and why she was doing it to burning everybody in sight. I just think it was too much,
4: uh, right? And even and even when she had the guy that she crucified that spoke out against it, that actually made yeah. her like she changed. She was like, "You're right." Like I that was. She, I mean, she didn't say all that, but like it changed. She was more receptive to people like. Tyrion or whoever that were Jorah that was like, Hey, maybe this isn't the best. And she, they're like, she's like, maybe you're right. You know? And I don't, I don't know. Every time she, every time she listened to someone who told her don't burn everything, it all went horribly wrong. And the one time that she did go burn shit, it worked. So, I mean, I don't know. I just tonally for her character to go from don't harm any of the children to, I am specifically going to target these children is so strange because and, and you know we've talked about this on, on the podcast before but not like two episodes ago she was sacrificing her whole army to save the north and then um you know the the last three episodes once they respond yeah once they respond yeah the last three episodes also had three different big bad villains or really yeah or three of the last four had different like, big bads well, I, which really also made the the whiplash
3: I mean that I, I didn't really agree with I guess because I mean, I think that in, in the case of Cersei and Daenerys both, they were never, or at least in the best, the most charitable reading. They're not villains per se. Like, the the, the strength of someone like Cersei or Daenerys was always that you could get where they were coming from. The Night King, obviously, he wants to eradicate a man a bad guy. But, um, you know, Cersei always had a measure of sympathy, even at the end. By the way, we, we haven't talked about that if we're going to. We're running out of time here. um.
4: Hard, hard disagree. disagree yeah,
3: <laughs> have- hard, hard, hard. disagree. I, uh, no, um, okay, hard disagree with you. Disagree. I I have to at the end, and um, I think the failure with Danny was to kind of paint her as this villain. When I don't, I think it would have been more interesting if we had, again, if she had done something that was more in line with what she'd done before, but still crossed a line. It wasn't so much yeah. black or white. It was differing perspectives that. Still could have resulted in the same thing with John killing her, but it just, um, she just, they had her go too far and I didn't buy it. I
0: agree. Yeah, me too. I mean, I mean, and,
4: I mean you know, I, it, we can. Yeah. Sorry, I'll shut up. We could talk about.
2: Oh, you son of a bitch. We could talk about Cersei being a villain all day because he absolutely was damn I mean, wrong. Um, anyway, what?
3: Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't do it all day. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we, we haven't talked about Cersei and Jamie's deaths. So are we going to do that or
0: leave
2: that? Yeah, I mean, you know what? If you want to talk about bringing humanity to Cersei and Jamie, well, Jamie had humanity already. Like he went and fought for the North. He got with Brienne. He he redeemed himself, right? But if you want to talk about Cersei's redemption, or if any humanity in her at all, yeah, there was a small moment where she wanted to be with her her brother before she died. Right? Like she's crying. She sees that he's hurt. She's like, "You're bleeding. You're hurt." Like she's concerned for him. For a, for a moment, you feel for her. And yeah, in season six uh the finale the winds of winter I absolutely cheered her on when she blew up the Sept of Baylor. Like I was like yes this this is my queen like I, I, I worship you Cersei but it, she but I also worshipped her because she was a good villain. She blew up a church. She was basically a terrorist. She bombed a church, and she she got rid of all of her enemies in one fell swoop. And I thought that was cool. I thought it made a great villain. To, uh, made her a great villain that way. But whatever. Um. The 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 fact that they died in each other's arms was just. It was nice and poetic. I I would like to talk about um the final scene of 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 Macy Williams acting the hell out of that. Uh, Old Town Road scene <laughs> where she gets on the horse and rides. <laughs> like that was a great scene. Like it's a, like you know Richard uh, Richard Preston who writes for Winner's Coming did a great piece about the pale mare and is 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 Arya actually
3: dead? All, all up you know? on that scene and, and
2: obviously <laughs> yeah, it was great.
3: Talk about I mean, that. I I I liked it. Um, yeah, it was it was lovely. I mean, again, just everything after Daenerys turning it like is tainted for me almost. Cause I just didn't buy that. So much turned on that, but yeah, I mean, taking in isolation that, 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 that seems beautiful. That scene is, is gorgeous. That scene is nice and resonant. I like that. I like that Arya lived like the symbol of death is the one who embraces life. It, 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 it all works. Um, I just wish they had kind of landed the big thing they needed to land so I could enjoy it without, um, restraint
2: phone that's a great point after danny turns it's like leaves a bad taste in your mouth like it's a really bad aftertaste
3: yeah, and it's hard it's not, to enjoy well all the she turns afterwards. and she's a badass because i didn't buy it that's the rough part of it for me
4: yeah i i think that's where we all come from with the danny thing was i 100 can be conv- could have been convinced of a danny turn I just wasn't. <laughs> and and that was the problem. It just happened on, the, on a dime, in my opinion. But if we're going to talk about this horse scene, buddy, have I got opinions.
2: Um, this
4: was maybe looking back. And in the moment, we were all making fun of it because we're all cynical douchebags. And like Dan said, we didn't have faith in the show anymore. So but <laughs> but I was just like, well. This was, this was my thought process, and I don't – I wish I knew who it was on Twitter that pointed this out because it was literally the the fridge moment from this episode for me, uh, which uh, – Dan, did I – did I mention fridge you moments last You talking about
3: uh, fridging characters or Indiana Jones fridge from Crystal Skull?
4: Neither. So the, it's the Hitchcockian – it's a Hitchcock thing. It's credited to Hitchcock. The idea that, like, if something's good enough, right, and it's – even if it's dumb – you, want, you won't notice it in a moment You'll enjoy it and then you'll be at home Getting a sandwich from the fridge and like go Wait a minute <laughs> And So my fridge moment was I was like Huh she just got that horse just kind of showed up And Shadowfax or whatever we called it Showed up and right uh, here, yeah, here yeah. we go And then somebody on Twitter was like Yeah but where's she going to ride the horse to Everybody's in King's Landing Where's she going <laughs> And I was like I don't know And then the next episode I don't want that fucking horse anywhere <laughs> we just got like this really angelic scene with this horse that's going to help take Arya away from the madness i guess and she just went like two city blocks on a horse and then hitched it like in red dead and that was that like i don't know i just did
3: not i i, I, I it. wonder if that was like a director edition that like cuz you know that th- th- there was no dialogue at all um that maybe like yeah which is why it was the best scene in the I'm show. Like, I'm sorry. I, can't. It's really like I have this vision of this last Argus scene. Where like, oh, oh, she's still in the script for the next episode. and She's not on a horse. So she uh, has to come back. I mean, I didn't mind that. I mean, yeah. Where the horse go? I don't know. It was a nice scene. It's over now.
4: I mean, that's, that's fair. <laughs> it's over
3: now.
2: I like, I like Dan's just resigned to it. It's over now. As as far as the list of
4: things go, like I find that one more humorous than upsetting. Uh, The only upsetting part of it is it was a it was a scene, you know, that took however many seconds, and it's like, man, what if what what else could we have seen in that time? But honestly, at the same time, it was a cool shot in the moment. I also think it
3: worked thematically because I mean that episode is for Arya is about finally letting go of. uh, all the vengeance and list making and all that stuff with that great. I think the best thing in there is the hat bit, which we mentioned before. Um, so that does put Absolutely. a really nice thematic capper on it that she's doing this whole angelic gig. And she's uh, again, like the one who is like the embodiment of death live through all this chaos. She is now life. Blah, 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 blah. Um, But yeah, it, it, it works. It like, it only works on the thematic level. And it works really well on the thematic level, but just it doesn't really make a lot of sense on the plot level. I I well, we, I'm
4: sorry, I just want to say I really kind of wish if we if if they'd had more time, I feel like they could have heart because I feel like they were hearkening back to this with Arya in moments and with John. But uh when Arya met Ed Sheeran last last season and she kind of learned just like gray worm needed to be learned it learned it, that just because you fight as a Lannister, like like just because you're a quote free man doesn't mean you're a free man. Like those soldiers that she met in the forest were good people. And it really, it it was part of the evolution of Arya learning that. And so her being in the, the city and then having the woman save her and, you know, just all the things she had seen have what the hound said to her on and on and on led to like you're saying, Dan that thematic moment and it, you know, thematically I agree. It's there. It just, that was a really important scene, I think. And all, and, and I'm such a jaded prick that all I can see when I see it is Billy Ray Cyrus's verse from old town road. I just can't,
3: I also want to say, again, I know we're running long, but this is my last bit. We're, we're, right now, Josh Hill and I are reading a, a Clash of Kings for our A Song of Dan and Josh series. So we read through chapter by chapter. Come come watch us. Um, we're reading through an Arya chapter in A Clash of Kings where she's traveling with a crying girl who was like had something horrible happen to her at a village, and Yorin kind of takes her on Weasley. and she won't stop crying. And Arya, when they're attacked at a holdfast, tries to kind of save her tries to take the crying girl with her but she's just like too far gone and refuses and it reminded me a lot of the moment in the bells when she tries to save the little girl who just goes back to her mom and dies and i'm like i wonder if they just held that for years and years and adapted it here in miniature that's the kind of stuff that you hope they
2: include in the entire series box set, like just just all the little nuggets they held on to and added in the, and the extra episodes that they found in secret. Yeah. <laughs> but the secret deleted episodes and the and the and the original pilot like just was talking um, stuff up. <laughs> I I know we have no. run long and we're going to come back next week and we're gonna do the finale wrap up, but I just wanna say uh Bone was talking about his fridge moments. My fridge moment from this episode was as much as I enjoyed Danny's heel turn, I thought about it for a second as I'm standing there deciding if I'm going to drink chocolate milk or or, or plain plain milk. Uh, I was like, uh, was was Cersei flipping her off from way over there at the Red Keep? Because Danny was getting super pissed and they were staring at each other. Like, was there some like can they even see each other? I don't get it. So that was my yeah, first moment. Like, right. I my head canon is that my head cannon is that Cersei standing in that window with a cup of wine, and flipping Danny
3: off with the other the hand, version. so... I mean, <laughs> I like the, and again, that, again, that's, that's another example of, like, the thematic didn't quite work-ness of it all, because I remember in the episode commentary, I mean, I, I thought that that, that, that that one shot of Baneris' face as she, like, gets furious and goes off, like, again, it leaned so hard on Amelia Clark to sell it, and she did.
0: She her
3: ass oh, off yeah. in this episode. She was so good. Um, It just it just the writing didn't really support her. She didn't have things like up to it that she said that she needed. We didn't really have enough vulnerability or like a way into her state of mind. That moment where she looks at the Red Keep, I do like. Because, you know, it's not Cersei flipping her off that pisses her off. It's the symbol of this person who is where she wants to be and has the power that she has and that might now not be hers because this Asshole nephew lover is might take it instead of her. So like I got it and I liked it. Again, it was just they just they just weren't they needed to freaking lead me to the water and they just didn't. I get it. Okay, guys, we're going to be back next week with the finale wrap up and we're
2: going to talk a little bit about uh, the 2019 Emmys. Who should win? Who shouldn't? Ooh. I don't think Kit Harrington has a chance, but I also think I also think Emily Clark is. Thank I thank God Meryl Streep's not in the main. <laughs> Uh, the main lead. You actors. know
4: that you know that even if Kit did get offered the Emmy, he <laughs> don't want it. Hey, soundboard baby! That's right. And that's how we're going to end this episode. Thanks for listening.
2: We'll be back next week. Voilà, magouls.